Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. thought about preaching from down there, but the camera guy said, you better not, you're not much taller than Lottie Moon, so you better get back up on stage. <laughs> Last week, we looked at Philippians chapter 4, talking about the, uh, the secret of contentment, and we talked about how, how our contentment comes through Christ. So you're not going to find contentment and complete satisfaction in anything else or any other person. It's going to come through Christ and knowing Him. And we talked about how in that relationship, as Paul says, we can experience that peace that surpasses all understanding that comes straight from God and being in relationship with Him, regardless of any circumstance we find ourselves in. One of the things we'll discover as, we, as you mature in your faith and you follow the Lord, one of the things you'll learn is that there's no place more secure, there's no place more peaceful than being right in the middle of God's will, whether that's being in the middle of God's will here or being in the middle of God's will in Hong Kong or Brazil or wherever that may be. You'll never feel more at peace than right in the middle of where the Lord wants you in that moment. And part of God's will for us is that we're living every single day in a continually growing relationship with Him, wherever He has us. So this morning, we're going to flip over to the little bit bigger book of Hebrews. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12 this morning, and we're going to look at what it means part of what it means to live in a growing relationship with the Lord. And part of that that we're going to talk about this morning, as you see on the screen, is is the joy of discipline. Now, I know discipline uh, doesn't always bring up the, the most pleasant thoughts in the back of your mind. But part of being a Christian, and if you think about it, just, just linguistically, if you're going to be a disciple, then you're going to have to be a person, a man or a woman of discipline. And if we're going to make disciples, then we must be ourselves disciplined and help other men and women and boys and girls learn how to be disciplined in our faith because it does take discipline. Now, discipline, like I said, is not always a pleasant thing to think about. It doesn't always bring up pleasant memories. And it certainly, as Paul says, or whoever wrote Hebrews, for that matter, says, uh, it's not always pleasant at the time, but it is always necessary And I learned growing up in a good, godly home that discipline does come in many forms. And I'm going to share a story that's very transparent this morning about Pastor Tyler before he was Pastor Tyler. And he was just a little boy. And little boys get into trouble sometimes and need this. My mom never knows what kind of story I'm going to tell. I see her just shaking her head right now. But as a little boy, I learned at a very young age how to mow our yard. Because our yard needed mowed, and, and, and mom was doing mom stuff, so I needed to be the one that mowed our yard. Now, we had, some of y'all might even still have one of these, the old Murray riding lawnmowers that you could buy at Walmart back in the day. Remember when Walmart sold those riding lawnmowers? Well, we had one of those, and it was like a really nice lawnmower at the time. The problem was, I was so little, this is how young I was. I was so little that I could not sit on the seat and keep the thing running and actually reach out and press the clutch brake 
to put it in gear to go forward and backwards or stop. So my uncle, he was a, a, a he can do anything, and he, he built me an extension pedal. Now, I don't think mom was happy about this because he literally just fastened it right to her brand new lawnmower. But it was a, basically a big old barn door hinge with a lever on it that would I could push the, 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 the hinge with my foot and it would push the pedal so I could mow the yard. Well, here, here's where I'm going with this story, talking about our lawnmower. One day I was mowing our big old yard and we had the far end of the yard had this, this big black walnut tree. Had these branches that hung down. I think mom's starting to know where this story's going. I'm coming around this old tree and lo and behold, one of these low-hanging branches just swarped me right across the forehead. Now, mom has been in the house for the entire time I've been mowing the yard. But when that branch swarped me across the head, this little Tyler, this is not Pastor Tyler, this is little bitty Tyler, okay, let out a few expletives. And even though mom has been in the house the entire time, I look up and lo and behold, in this moment, this perfect moment, she's standing on our porch going like this. And I'm like, how did she even hear me over the lawnmower? But she did. So I pull over there. Mom doesn't tell me anything other than get in the house and sit your hind end on the couch till I get done mowing this yard. So she finished mowing the yard. And I'm sitting there on the couch fretting about what mom is going to say or do to me when she gets done mowing the yard. I just knew she was going to kill me or, or something. But she gets done, and she comes in. She has a talk with me, tells me, you know, don't, you cannot say these things even if you get swarped in the head with a branch. You can't be talking like this. You're better than this. And that was the extent of my discipline. I think she realized that I'd been sitting there for the past half hour just worrying so much that was enough discipline for me than to have to have a whipping or a ground or anything like that but I think that half hour of sitting there worrying about what that little five foot tall woman was going to do to me was the worst discipline I've ever had in my life but it was necessary I, I learned I shouldn't talk like that anymore and thank the Lord I, I don't most of the time I'm recovering. No, I'm kidding. But that discipline was not pleasant, right? And uh, most of the time, discipline is not pleasant. However, discipline is necessary. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12 there. We're going to start in verse 3. And the Bible says this. It says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and give up. In struggling against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us, and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of spirits and live? 
For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them, but he does it for our benefit so that we can share in his holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your tired hands and weakened knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but healed instead. So we're not exactly sure who wrote this, who the author of the book of Hebrews is. Some think that it is the Apostle Paul, and there's some good arguments for that. Some think it could have been someone else like Apollos or maybe even one of the other early church leaders. But whoever wrote it certainly understood the importance of discipline. And discipline being this parental act by God to his children that he loves. And discipline... Uh, is a means to something greater, as the author points out, in the life of the believer. And the first point that the author points, makes this morning is that discipline's not really for the faint of heart. Discipline takes heart. The author encourages something that I like to practice myself, and that is thinking of, of the Lord, thinking of Jesus. Whenever I start to get down or I start to get discouraged or whenever Pastor Tyler's having a little pity party day, I, I just think about the Lord and, and what he went through and what he endured. And the author here reminds us that, yeah, discipline's tough. Discipline takes a lot of intestinal fortitude. It takes a lot of heart. But we can't just grow weary and give up when we're practicing a life of discipline as a father of Christ, or when our Heavenly Father is disciplining, disciplining us as a child that He loves. One of the things that we have to grasp is that as a follower of Christ, even as a modern disciple, we have to be disciplined in our faith. Our faith as Christians is a faith of discipline, which means that day in and day out, as a follower of the Lord, we're practicing these spiritual disciplines of the Christian life. It means that we're taking time to practice things like picking up our Bibles and, and reading it, hopefully on a daily basis, spending that time in Scripture, spending some time in prayer, spending time in worship with other believers, or even in our own private worship by ourselves, spending time serving and giving and even fasting, all of these things that we know we're supposed to do, but far too often we simply fail to do because we get busy or, or we, we just whatever, we just don't do it. But we need to do them and we need to be disciplined enough to do them because as the author of Hebrews points out, right off the bat, we struggle with sinfulness. We struggle with that old nature. We have this old nature, and we've talked about this a lot, that we have to root out of our lives. And one of the greatest ways that we do that is by practicing the spiritual disciplines, like being in the Word and spending time praying to our Lord. So that we can get rid of the old us, get rid of our old habits, our old ways, our old way of talking, our old way of thinking, and be more like Jesus. And we do that through these... Disciplines. They're called disciplines because they simply require discipline. They require you to invest the time and the energy and to set aside a specific time to do these things, to spend time with the Lord. Now, Donald Whitney, if you've never heard of him, look him up. He's a great author. And he literally wrote the book on spiritual disciplines. And Don Whitney says this. He says, all this is to say that God makes Christ-like people out of busy people. How many people are busy? 
We're all busy, right? How many people have 24 hours in a day? Well, we all have 24 hours in a day. It just depends on how you allocate that time. He says, God makes Christ-like people out of busy people. And He does so through the biblical spiritual disciplines. These disciplines are not intended only for Christians with lots of spare time on their hands. Rather, they are the God-given means by which busy believers become like Christ. There's the only reason that some people in this room have a robust prayer life and, and can spend more time in prayer is not because they're retired or don't have anything better to do. It's because they make time every day to spend that time with the Lord in prayer. Same is true for reading the Word and everything else. Now, the author of Hebrews hits us pretty hard. He says, guys, just look at Christ. Christ dealt with not His sin, but, but our sin. And you should be dealing with your sin and your propensity to sin, your sinfulness also. But he says you never dealt with it to the point of shedding your blood, <laughs> which Christ did. Well, I mean, really, if you think about it, what's a few minutes going to cost you every day spending some time reading a few verses in your Bible? What's a few minutes in prayer going to cost you with your Heavenly Father every day? What, what's, a, what's it going to cost you to get out of your bed one day a week on Sunday morning and come and spend time worshiping the Lord together with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It really doesn't cost us. He says, just, just do it. And as you do it, don't lose heart. Don't grow weary. Because there's no other means to godliness. You're just not going to happen to wake up one day and be more like Jesus. You got to put a little something into this thing. Now, of course, God's going to help you. The Holy Spirit's going to guide you. But you got to put forth the discipline and the work in this thing. So, we have to practice these disciplines. But also, and here's where sometimes it gets a little more tougher than that. You also have to allow yourself to be disciplined by your Heavenly Father. Now, I remember one time and one time only that my mother was going to discipline me and I ran away from her. I never done that again. I learned that lesson pretty quick. But how many days do we run from the discipline of our Heavenly Father? And we refuse to allow Him to chastise us even when we need it. And we've got to understand that He does so just like a parent who disciplines their children. Uh, disciplines them because they don't want them to act a certain way or talk a certain way or do certain things that might harm them now or in the future. They do that out of love. Likewise, our Heavenly Father disciplines us because He loves us as a perfect Father loves their children. So, let Him do it. And don't lose heart when He's doing that. Don Whitney says, Discipline... However, without direction is drudgery, which means if you're just going through the motions, you're not going to get anywhere. You're going to lose heart. So understand when the Father disciplines you, when you practice the spiritual disciplines, there's something that results out of that. And the author of Hebrews tells us discipline fosters this thing called holiness. And that's what we're after. We're after, we want to do these things in order to be more holy, to be more like Christ. Discipline fosters holiness. The author tells us our Heavenly Father disciplines us for this purpose. And it's not just like an earthly father, he says, who may simply do this because they think this is the way you should be or the way you should act or it's the right thing to do. But the Heavenly Father disciplines us so that, and I like the language, so that we can share in His holiness. 
The author even goes so far to say that we should endure what word? Suffering as a discipline. Now you say, well, what? Really? Are you saying that these things that I've suffered through, these things that I've had to endure in life are somehow supposed to be, be good for me? Yeah, they are, absolutely. And we've talked about that before, and the Bible teaches that time and time again, that God intentionally uses some things in our lives to produce something in us, a characteristic that otherwise wouldn't be there. Maybe something like endurance, or patience, or even faith. But God can also use all of the circumstances in our life, even those things that just happen to us, even those things that the enemy meant for evil. The Bible says God can use them for our good to produce these godly characteristics or this holiness in us, Christ-likeness. This past year, for the very first time, as you've heard me share before, I coached elementary cross country for the first time, and it was quite the experience. I didn't know what I was getting into, trying to get 12 kids to run in, in, in the same direction for that matter, let alone a race. But I coached this elementary cross country team over at the city school, and, and Easton, he's right in the middle of that age group, and he kind of wanted to, uh, but it more, I mean, really, he didn't have much of a choice because I was the coach. I kind of made him. I'm just being honest. Now, he and I practiced a little bit. <laughs> He's shaking his head. Yeah, that's right. We practiced a little bit. We went out and run a little bit. And at first, I'm just going to be honest, he wasn't a real big fan of running. How many can relate to that? So we go to our first race. Got our team out there. They're doing okay. I mean, these are young kids, man. They're not used to running a mile or a mile and a half in, at a time, right? They're just used to running around in circles. So we get to the first race, and, and as a coach, you get to be right out there on the course, anywhere you want to be. So I found this one spot about halfway through, and, and it's right before they go up this pretty good little hill. And I'm standing there, and a few, few of our team members come through, and I'm cheering them on. And here comes Easton, man, and he's just, he's just pouring his heart into it. And he looks at me, and, and he didn't look at me as his coach. He looked at me as his, his dad, and he's like, I can't do this. And I was like, yes, you can. You can do it, son. And he powered through, and he, he finished the race. And, and, uh, and I don't know, it was rough. It was rough. But over the course of a couple months, we disciplined ourselves, and we began to run a little farther. We began to run up and down the flood wall so we could run heels. We did our best to get some sprints in and learn how to run fast. And I watched this boy, that this little boy that started really because his dad made him and didn't really want to run. I watched him blossom into this young little athlete that lost some weight and actually began to look forward to running the races and was actually pumped about crossing that finish line at the end of his race and cutting time off his miles and just, just, just totally transforming. And, and I think about this, and I think, man, what a picture of our Heavenly Father when he begins to discipline us and he begins to condition us and he's making us go through things and he's making us do things that we're not really sure about doing and we may not even like it and sometimes we just look at him shaking our head with tears in our eyes like I cannot do this and our father's over there cheering us on 
And he sticks us in the race anyway. And we come around and we may be crying, but he's cheering us on. And he's saying, you can do it, son. You can do it, daughter. This is the moment. This is what I've been preparing you to do. This is what I've been preparing. All of those times that you had to go through that stuff, all these things that, that you've suffered through even, this, it's for this moment. You have everything it takes right now to get this done. But it took the discipline to get there. And that's when we, we find out it wasn't just about the race that he had us running. It wasn't just about the task that he placed before us or the thing that we had to go through or the thing that we had to endure. It wasn't about any of that. It was really all about becoming more like him more than anything else. Chipping a little bit of us off in order to put some more of our Heavenly Father on. That's what the discipline is all about. Now, not only does it foster holiness, not only does it make us more like Him, but notice this last thing. Discipline results in healing. And I like the fact that the author of Hebrews brings this up. Hebrews 12, 11, if you're familiar with Dave Ramsey, this is one of Dave's favorite verses. He likes to quote this one a lot. The, saying that, there's no, that no discipline seems enjoyable at the time. It seems painful. It, it hurts a little bit. But later on, it yields up the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. Now, Dave Ramsey uses this verse to encourage his financial peace students to, to live like no one else today so that you can do what? Live and give like no one else later in life. So save for the future, pay off your debt, all that stuff. So later on you can live better and give more than you could because you've practiced that discipline in the meantime. Now, by practicing these spiritual disciplines now, wherever you are, whether you're a young believer or even a mature believer, you're growing in your faith, by practicing these things now, you will benefit later on same as you'll benefit from being disciplined by the Father. But there's a picture of healing here. Now, I love this. There's a picture of healing that comes with the discipline that comes from our Father. And this is why you can trust your Father when He's disciplining you, when He's putting you through the, the torture of, of the running up and down the hills and all this stuff, the, the metaphorical hills. I mean, God's not going to ask you to run the flood wall, I don't think. He might. But anyway... What I'm getting at is wherever the Lord is leading you or leading you through, you can trust Him through the process of that. And it goes back to the, the language goes back to the idea of, of a shepherd who's taking care of his sheep. If you think all the way back to the 23rd Psalm, it's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And right on down the line, and a good shepherd will not only take care of his sheep, but a good shepherd, a, a fatherly type shepherd, will also discipline those sheep. See, and you maybe some of y'all know this about sheep, but sheep tend to wander off sometimes. Amen. But a good shepherd goes after that sheep, but he doesn't just go after it and bring it back. Does anybody know anything about taking care of sheep? I, I didn't know much. So sometimes those sheep will wander off, and, and the good shepherd will not only go after that sheep and bring that sheep back, but did you know the, the shepherd will actually harm that wayward sheep? 
Sometimes if it's so stubborn, the shepherd will actually break the leg of that wayward sheep. So it cannot physically run off anymore. But not only does he break its leg, he then binds its leg and he fixes it. And he will carry this lame sheep now on his shoulders until the sheep is recovered. And you know what the sheep learns through this process? The sheep learns to trust the shepherd. The sheep gets closer to the shepherd. The sheep begins to love his shepherd who's now carrying him on his shoulders and providing for him and taking care of him. And the sheep will never leave that shepherd again. And to the contrary, it will now obey every command that the shepherd makes because it's learned through that extreme discipline of a broken leg that even that broken leg was for the sheep's sake. So it knows how to be with the shepherd and follow the shepherd. Now think about that picture And I think maybe that's someone here this morning. Maybe you've been enduring some things in life. Maybe the Father has been disciplining you. Maybe even you feel like you've been just crippled and beat up by some of this discipline. And maybe you've been going through some stuff. And maybe you've even realized that the Lord for the past year or two or ten has had to carry you on your shoulders because you've not been on his shoulders because you've not been able to walk on your own. My question for you this morning is, will you let him complete the good work that he's began in you and see it to completion? Will you continue to trust him? You know what Job said about this? And I can't wait till we get into Job next year and we get to preach from that. Job said, though he slay me, I will trust him. Even though he may break me, Even though he may break my leg, even though he may have to carry me on his shoulders, I'm going to trust the Heavenly Father. I'm going to hope in him. I'm going to continue to serve him and continue to trust that he's working something good in me. That somehow through all this discipline and even through all this labor and this time and this energy that I'm investing, that there's going to be some greater holiness that comes out of it. That there's going to be some form of healing in me that maybe it's just healing me from myself or healing me from the wounds of my past and my life. And I'm not going to stop until he returns or he calls me home. We stand with us this morning for the invitation. Maybe you feel a little beat up this morning. And I want you to know that's not the end goal. The end goal is healing and the end goal is holiness, it's Christ-likeness. And maybe, maybe that's what you need to ask for this morning. Maybe this morning you need that, that healing from all of the stuff that life has dealt you or even the discipline that the Father has had to do to you because, hey, sometimes we're wayward sheep and we need to be beat up a little bit. Well, maybe it's time to move past that and experience that peace and that healing that comes from the good shepherd from your father and this morning if if you don't know Jesus if you don't if you don't even know what I'm talking about with all this shepherd stuff and discipline and you don't know what it means to have a disciplined Christian life and you just need to be saved this morning why don't you come as we'll sing a song of invitation let's pray father this morning we come to you and we just give this time to you God we know that all things you're working them together for our good 
God, we know that you are a loving Heavenly Father, a perfect Father, a good Father. And God, we know that even when we've had to endure things in this life, Lord, you've been there. Lord, through some of our darkest moments, you have been carrying us. God, when we couldn't do it on our own, there you were beside of us. And God, maybe there's someone here this morning, we've allowed everything else in life to creep in and take your place. We haven't spent time with you. We haven't spent time in your word. God, it's my prayer this morning. We'd make a fresh commitment to being a man and a woman of discipline. That we would spend time in your word. That we would spend time communing with you and praying to you. And becoming more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville. Or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.